Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Alrighty, welcome to Vitality Radio. My name is Jared St. Clair, and it's good to be with you on a beautiful Saturday in Salt Lake City, Utah. I always say beautiful because all days are beautiful. I mean, this day is like, uh, this feels like Seattle or Portland or something like that. And, you know, that's one of the most beautiful parts of the world. So pretty amazing out there today. Uh, We've had some really, really nice spring weather lately, starting to get up into the 80s, which is about 15 degrees too hot for me, but hey, whatever. It's really nice out there today if you don't mind enjoying the rain. And if you are going to stay inside, there's nothing better to do than listen to Vitality Radio, right? And uh, if you're new to Vitality Radio, welcome. If you're a regular, I sure appreciate you lending me your ear on Saturday morning. I try to do my very best to bring you some content that can help improve your health through the avoidance of pharmaceuticals, surgeries, and all those kind of not-so-fun things. And today is no different. I've got a nice little rant topic I'm going to go into here in a little bit. Some people seem to like to hear me rant. And then after that, we're going to talk about Earth Day. Now, I get it. It's May, what, 11th? I don't even know what day it is today. Is it the 11th, 12th? It's the 12th, May 12th. I knew we were in May That's pretty good, right? 2018, I think. So that's good. But uh, Earth Day was April 22nd, so I'm a little bit late. I was preparing an Earth Day show to air the the actual day uh, before Earth Day, and I, well, I didn't air it because I was out of town and I couldn't quite figure out how to get it to work, and so I apologize for that. But the topic is still valid, and I'm going to talk about difference between the environment as we think about it on Earth Day and our body's environment and how protecting our Earth will also protect our bodies. So we'll get into that uh, as the primary topic for Vitality Radio. So what's tomorrow? If today is May 12th, tomorrow is Mother's Day. And uh, that is a pretty awesome day because Vitality Nutrition, my store that has been in business for almost 41 years now. It'll be 41 years in August. That's crazy. Uh, Is uh, in business for really one reason, and that is because of my mom. You know, my dad had this itch. He was all into healthy food before healthy food was cool. uh, When People thought that SpaghettiOs were actually food and uh, white bread was good and all that stuff. He was thinking, no, this is bad. We need to get back to nature. And he was kind of like a suburban hippie kind of a guy. And uh, he was really into that thing and he wanted it for for his family. In fact, when I spoke at his funeral, I talked about the uh, school lunches that were inspired by his uh, crazy uh, desire to feed us strange and healthy foods. But uh, I grew up in an environment where we were skeptical about a lot of these things that uh, were pushed down our throats as being okay and healthy for us. And now we live in a world 40 years later where 
we recognize that a lot of the stuff that we have been sold that, you know, like saturated fat causes heart disease. Well, we've now proven that that's a whole lot of bull and that carbohydrates and sugars and things like that would be healthier than fat, which we've also proven is a bunch of bull because, well, guess what? Heart disease and diabetes are on the rise and we eat more sugar than we eat fat now. We used to eat more fat and less sugar and blah, 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 all that stuff. I talk about all that stuff on Vitality Radio all the time. But my point in this particular uh, conversation is this. My mom got lassoed in to something that she really would have preferred not to do. My dad got this itch. He opened up a little health food store, actually bought one that had been in business for a little bit uh, 40 plus years ago. I was four when this happened. And uh, he thought he could kind of run it as a hobby. And that's just not true. You can't. Um, I know this for uh, (laughs) personal experiences. I've owned it for the last 24 years. But uh, as such, after he decided that he couldn't really afford employees, it became a family business, like a real family business. And my mom started running it. And she didn't really ever want to do that. I'll always remember her sitting at the kitchen table on Friday mornings. I think it was Friday morning, placing orders with our old distributors that are not even in business anymore, Food for Health and Marshalls. Uh, and uh, she'd have that big, we had this 25 put, uh, foot stretchy phone cord. You remember corded phones? That was a thing if you're younger. Uh, anyway, she would sit there at the kitchen table and she would place these orders while she was watching you know, me and my little sister uh, run around. And I will always remember her dedication to running this store that she really <laughs> would have preferred not to run. And then when I was 15, I ended up uh, managing the place. And uh, anyway, the rest is history. But I wanted to throw a little shout out there to my mother. I had a woman come in two days ago to Vitality, and she was talking to me. I walked up to her. She didn't know me. And I said, how can I help you today? And she said, I don't know if you can. And I didn't quite know what that meant. Uh, But I said, okay, well, let's try. And she said, well, it's about... Um, hot flashes. And I said, oh, I know all about hot flashes. This is this is good stuff. She says, oh, good. Let's talk. So we started talking about hot flashes. And we spent 15 or 20 minutes talking about her stuff that was going on. And as she was leaving the store, she said, you know what? It's Mother's Day in a few days. You tell your mom, thank you. She raised a good son. <laughs> now, I don't know if she's right about that, but she did raise a son who knows about hot flashes. And so, mom, you raised a son who knows about hot flashes. And as far as I'm concerned, you did a heck of a job with uh, me and my brothers and sister. And I appreciate that. Happy Mother's Day. And I love you because I know you're listening because you always do. Okay. So now that we've gotten Mother's Day uh, goodness past us for for the moment, don't, it's not really because tomorrow's still Mother's Day. Make sure you take care of your mom. Make sure you take care of your your wife, your girlfriend, your future mother, you know, whoever it is in your life that uh, that should be taken good care of on Mother's Day. In fact, I was, <laughs> I'll throw one more little tidbit in. My little eight-year-old, uh, she's so funny. She said, Dad, if you're still alive when I have kids, <laughs> will you get me stuff on Mother's Day? And I said, of course I will, honey. I'll make sure you get taken care of. Okay, so let's go into a quick announcement, and then we're going to get into the rant. 
So Vitality Nutrition has been a health and nutrition store for 40 years. But very recently, as in about a month and a half ago, we opened up the Vitality Health and Wellness Clinic for the second time. We had a little hiccup the first time. We uh, we were open for a while, then we weren't for a while, and now we're back. Uh, bigger and better than ever. A lot of really, really cool things. We've got a lot of uh, unique equipment uh, at the store now that can really help with your stress and relaxation help to reduce anxiety and things like that, not just through supplementation, but also through a combination of coaching as well as uh, equipment that can help to relax your body, detoxify your system. And we're going to talk a lot about toxicity today on uh, Vitality Radio for sure. And uh, I want you to experience this stuff. So what we're doing for Vitality Radio listeners is if you'll call Vitality at 801-292-6662, that's 801-292-6662, you can come in and you can get a free 10-minute hydro massage uh, on our hydro bed, which, uh, well, it's awesome. And uh, that's 10 minutes that you will wish was 20 or 30, and it's really, really great. You can also try our neuroacoustic chair. Now, that sounds pretty wild, right? It's, uh, it's sound, it's light, it's vibration. It's pretty amazing. Um, I, uh, people really, really like how they feel in that. That's another little 10-minute demo we'll do for you. These are free just for mentioning that you heard about it on Vitality Radio because we want you to see what we have. And frankly, you kind of have to experience it to appreciate appreciate it. And so if you'll give us a call after the store opens up at 10, uh, it's 801-292-6662 and just say, hey, I want to try out the uh, equipment at Vitality Nutrition and Wellness Center. We will let you know how to go about doing that. It's actually really simple. Uh, We'll just take down your name and a time that you want to come in and we'll get you taken care of. It's as easy as that and zero obligation. We just want you to try it out. So that's what's going on uh, that's new at Vitality. Uh, We've got a few other things. I may make a couple of announcements as we go. But you know what? It's 9-12 on 5-12. It is the 12th. I think we just established that. And it's time for the morning rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smokescreens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. All right. It's time to rant. I uh, just talked about how amazing my mother is and uh, got all that, you know, um, sticky goodness out and now it's time to talk about something that made me laugh today as I was preparing it earlier this morning because it's so sad and pathetic. You may or may not know, uh, depending on how many times you've listened to Vitality Radio, how I feel about the FDA. Um, They are a government agency, which in and of itself is a red flag, is it not? But they're not just a government agency. They're in charge of food and drugs, right? FDA. And that in and of itself is also a red flag because food and drugs 
I don't think they should really be associated with one another. They're completely different things, and maybe that is part of the problem. But one thing that we can really appreciate about the FDA is their level of consistency. I mean, rarely do I ever have to find a moment in my day to be thankful that they did a good job. Not only that, but they're very consistent also in how quickly they respond to things. For instance, let's talk about BPA. Have you heard of BPA before? I bet you have. If you are a mother, as we talked about Mother's Day here, um, or a grandmother, uh, or someone who has been a caretaker of a child over the last six, seven, eight years, you've probably started seeing this thing called BPA-free, right? Now, I'll tell you this. Vitality Radio has been on the air almost 10 years now. And when Vitality Radio started, BPA was kind of like not a thing. I mean, it sort of was. It was in the consciousness of people who were really looking into these kind of things. But it wasn't in the collective consciousness. It wasn't something that everybody knew what it was. A lot of people today, I still think, don't know what it is. Like they see, oh, BPA-free water bottle or a BPA-free food can or BPA-free sippy cup or something like that. But we didn't we don't even know necessarily what that means or why it is. We just know, well, BPA must be bad for us because they're marketing it as something that doesn't have it. So that must be a good thing, right? So what is BPA? It's bisphenol A. Bisphenol A is one of the myriad of uh, wonderful petrochemicals that uh, has polluted our environment. And uh, as I said, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, about Earth Day uh, here in a little bit. But I want to I, I want to kind of whet your appetite a little bit for this because that's going to be uh, actually part two of the show where I really get into this whole in, this Earth Day and environment and all that kind of stuff. BPA and the FDA, and then we're going to talk about this opioid uh, thing that we're concerned about, right? It's what are they calling it now? A crisis, or maybe it's an epidemic. Um, maybe it's both. We're going to talk about that during the round as well. But did you know that BPA was discovered to be problematic and an actual estrogenic compound back in the 1930s? Did you also know that in 1992, we discovered that it absolutely does leach from plastic into uh, liquid when any kind of heat is applied to it? 1992. Now, think about it. It's 2018. That's been a little while, right? Did you know that uh, the FDA in 2012 decided that maybe we shouldn't have it in baby bottles, or in um, uh, sippy cups. Did you know that was a year after the industry decided to take it out anyway? <laughs> and about four or five years after the European Union got rid of it and Japan got rid of it. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, the FDA, amazing, really, really gifted people that are really watching out for our health and doing so in a very consistent pathetic manner. So what does that have to do with the rant today? Well, I'm going to, we're going to have a little history lesson. Remember, I just went back to the 1930s and then to 1992, then 2012. And we're going to even talk about BPA beyond 2012, because I think a lot of people think BPA is gone. I wish that'd be awesome. Uh, We may even talk a little bit about BPS. You know what BPS is? That's what 
has replaced BPA. Is it better? Is it safer? Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that. But right now, 2018, Kaiser Health News reports this. At least 83% of the nation's 104 largest patient advocacy groups take contributions from the drug, medical device, and biotech industries. This raises questions about whether they consistently put patients first, according to a paper published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Now, I always find it fascinating when the New England Journal of Medicine or the Journal of American Medicine or Medical Association or whatever, these big journals, I mean, these are the big guys, are publishing things saying that the pharmaceutical industry is corrupt because these journals are pharmaceutical (laughs) journals. And so I love using their own stuff to prove that they have a problem because it is at the point that they publish these studies it's gone way too far, right? Because a lot of this stuff tends to get swept under the rug for a long time, kind of like the whole BPA thing I was just talking about. But what exactly is a patient advocacy group? Okay, let's talk about that. Have you ever heard of the Susan Komen Foundation? You ever heard of the American Diabetes Association, American Heart Association, American Lung Association? These are patient advocacy groups. These are groups that are nonprofits that are theoretically anyway designed to Stand up for patients' rights, stand up for patients' uh, needs, patients that deal with these specific concerns like breast cancer or lung cancer or heart disease or diabetes and so on and so on and so on. So let let me go back and read that statement I just read before. At least 83% of the nation's 104 largest patient advocacy groups take contributions from the drug, medical device, and biotech industries. This raises questions about whether they consistently put patients first. Now, if you are a policymaker and you want to hear from patients, there is a danger if there's an undisclosed or underdisclosed conflict of interest, according to Matthew McCoy, the primary, or the, sorry, the paper's primary author. The patient voice is speaking with a pharma accent. I like how he puts that. Of the 18 nonprofits that did not report pharmaceutical money, all but five failed to disclose their donors at all. Just one of 104 nonprofits stated explicitly that it does not accept industry money. Now, we've discovered also, or I discovered in a, a variety of different articles on this topic, reading through the paper, um, that 20% on average of the money that supports these nonprofits is coming from the phar- pharmaceutical industry. Okay. Now, let's go back to 2011. Uh, Sydney Wolf, who's an MD uh, who writes for publiccitizen.org, uh, says that um, dis- disease-specific patient advocacy groups affected by taking money from drug uh, companies – sorry, our disease – this is the question he poses – are disease-specific patient advocacy groups affected by taking money from drug companies that make products to treat these diseases? Now, to me, that's a question that kind of answers itself, but he goes on. Examples of groups that have received such funding include some that I already mentioned, American Diabetes Association, but also the March of Dimes. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to dive off into a separate rant from my own rant here for a minute. You ever at the grocery store and they have that little, um, sign or the box or the heart that you can like write your name on and you can make a donation and the clerk is forced at 
you know, not I suppose probably not gunpoint, <laughs> but forced to ask you that question. Would you like to donate to the March of Dimes? Uh, would you like to donate to the American Diabetes Association? Would you like to donate to Primary Children's Hospital? Now, what do you feel like if you say no? I mean, they. I was just at the grocery store, Smith's, okay? I'll, I'll even name the store. I was at Smith's. And they have this picture, and my, I'm with my sweet little eight-year-old who wants to know if I'm going to buy her Mother's Day gifts if I'm still alive when she's a mom. And she is a very inquisitive little girl. And she's looking at this picture of these five kids, one of which is bald. And she says, do you think that that girl has cancer, Dad? And I said, yeah, she probably has some sort of cancer. And that's She's probably going through chemotherapy, and that's probably why she's bald. And um, she said, she said, wow. And I don't remember, honestly, where, where it went from there, other than to say that the clerk then said, would you like to donate to, I don't remember, I don't think it was Primary Children's in this case, um, but regardless, some patient advocacy group, some hospital, some whatever. And I said no. And my daughter didn't ask me any questions, which surprised me. I thought, well, she maybe she would ask, but maybe maybe uh, I've answered that question before. Maybe her mom has. I don't know for sure. But she didn't say anything about it. Uh, maybe she didn't understand what was even the question that was posed. But the question is, how do you feel when you don't donate to one of those things? I mean, these poor kids, man, they got a picture of them. They're sick. They need money, I guess, for something. I don't know what. Is it going to pay their medical bill? Is it going to further the research into the drugs that are going to cure their disease? What is that money for? Now, I brought up what has become a very sensitive subject, I think, for some people, because whenever you're touched by one of these things, if you have had a child who's been sick and who's been at, you know, uh, whatever, Ronald McDonald House or one of these different places, some of these groups do some amazing things, man, like really, really great things. Sometimes. But other times, they're just taking money and putting it towards other things that maybe aren't so wonderful. So like if I knew where the money was going and I could agree with where it's going and how it's going to be spent, yeah, I'll throw my extra dollar, two dollars, three dollars at that cause. But instead, I have to say no because I know about this stuff and it drives me crazy because I want to be a good person. I want to do the right thing. I want to be charitable. I do have extra. I'm not broke. And yet I know that if I donate to Susan G. Komen for a cure and I see all these wonderful people, wonderful people in their pink shirts, wearing their pink wristbands and wearing their and putting their pink bumper stickers on and all these other things, these are wonderful people raising awareness for breast cancer. But who the heck isn't aware of breast cancer? Who doesn't know that exists? Who doesn't know that's a big deal? Everybody knows. So what's why are we still raising awareness? How about maybe we should do something else? Well, we're raising awareness because we have to have our mammograms, right? We have to have our mammograms because that's how we stop cancer. No, it's not. That's how we detect cancer or maybe it's how we cause cancer because there's plenty of research now showing that every mammogram increases your cancer risk by 1%. And if you start getting them when you're 40, then by the time you're 60, you've increased your odds by 20% because you're applying direct radiation to some of the most sensitive tissue in the body. 
So Susan G. Komen for, for a cure may actually be causing the very cancer that they're trying to prevent because in the European Union, we now know that they only do mammograms every other year, that they start them 10 years later because there's no evidence that starting them 10 years earlier and doing them every year is positive. In fact, there's evidence to the contrary that it's actually negative and that we may be increasing cancer numbers, which means that we... So we have early detection, right? Oh, yay. That's awesome. And it is. It's good to detect cancer early. That's true. And the whole pharmaceutical world is full of half-truths because that half is true. But the half that isn't true is that the way that we're detecting these cancers is causing cancer. And what we ought to be researching is how do we prevent this thing because Less than 1% of the money that Susan G. Komen actually receives is spent on cancer prevention. Less than 1%. Now, I think if you ask any normal thinking person, whatever that is, right? I mean, look at our president, the last five of them. Um, you know, it's like, okay, four of them, whatever it is. We don't have normal thinking people across this country. There are definitely some abnormal thoughts. But let's just say someone who is in their right mind. Would you rather detect your cancer or would you rather prevent your cancer? The answer, I think, unanimously would be I'd rather prevent my cancer because once I detect it, I either have to have surgery, I have to have radiation, I have to have chemotherapy, I have to have all three, or I might die. So let's maybe think about prevention. We're going to talk about that because BPA that I mentioned at the very beginning of the show, I'm going to talk a lot about at the end of the show, is one of the causes of breast cancer, one of the big ones. <sighs> okay, so that was a side rant. And then the first part that I started talking about BPA was like an, an initial rant. And now I'm going to get to the main rant. This is like a very ranty show. Maybe it's a gray day and I just need to rant. I don't know. Okay, so let's go back to what I was talking about with these patient advocacy groups because this one is a problem. And remember, Susan G. Komen is one of these groups that takes lots of money from the pharmaceutical industry. And why is that a problem? I'll tell you. In a debate in the British Medical Journal arguing there is nothing improper with such groups taking drug company money, a representative of the British Genetic Interest Group stated that there's nothing inherently wrong with patient groups taking money from the drug industry, provided that it does not put them under pressure to adopt a position that they would not otherwise choose to take up. He goes on to say that patient groups are not naive. They value their independence fiercely and are quite capable of spotting the strings that may be attached to funding, whatever the source. Other sources reveal that this group is funded by, among others, GlaxoSmithKline, Merck, Novartis, Pfizer, Sharing Plow, AstraZeneca, Genzyme Therapeutics, and GE Healthcare. Okay, so does anybody believe that? Did you just hear what this person said from the British Genetic Interest Group? There's nothing inherently wrong with patient groups taking money from the drug industry, provided it does not put them under pressure to adopt a position that they would not otherwise choose to take up. Okay, so let's just say that you own a business. Maybe you own a, a health store. Maybe you own a little health store. It's a mom and pop business. And the difference between being in business and not being in business is 10%. In other words, if I lose at Vitality Nutrition 10% of my business tomorrow, I'm going to have a very difficult time 
paying my bills. I may not be able to pay my bills if I lose 10% of my business, okay? Which is only 5% of my income, by the way, or something like that, right? What if I were to lose 20%? Oh, and that I'm firing people. Absolutely. I'm going to have to fire some people. I'm going to have to work more hours myself. Maybe I have to move to a different location, a smaller place, with less rent. I don't know. Maybe I can't survive. Maybe I have to go under. I don't know. 20% is big. Well, if you're a nonprofit and 20% of your business goes away because they decide that they don't want to fund you anymore because, well, you're not fighting for them. You're fighting for the patient. Do you think there might be a conflict of interest? Just a little? I kind of think there might be. Maybe. Yeah, this is a problem. This is a real problem. In fact, it's such a problem that now the government's getting involved. They're saying, well, maybe we need legislation saying that we can't do this. At least right now, we now officially have uh, a, a website that tells you how much money is coming from these places. That didn't used to be a thing. So it's getting there. But what it boils down to is that these government agencies uh, are even recognizing – or not agencies, sorry, uh, politicians in Washington are actually recognizing this is a problem – because there is a conflict of interest, because the American Diabetes Association should have nothing to do with a company that makes drugs for diabetes. It's, it's asinine. It's ridiculous. It makes no sense. But that is where we are with pharmaceuticals in this country, is they are everywhere in their hands or in every pie. That money, that $116 million that they donated to these groups last year, it dwarfs how much money they spent lobbying in Washington. Do you know why? Because according to their own statements that have been uncovered, they look at advocacy groups as their lobbying, one of their lobbying arms, lobbying the government for better laws that favor the pharmaceutical industry, having nothing to do with favoring patient groups. Because patient advocacy groups, you know what they spend very little time on? getting drug costs lower. But that's a huge concern for patients, is it not? Hmm, interesting. Why aren't the patient advocacy groups advocating for lower prices on drugs? Maybe because 20% of their money come from the drugs themselves. It's a problem. Now, I talked about the opiates. Let's go back into that for just a minute, okay? Why does this really matter? Why does it matter that these patient advocacy groups are being funded by Big Pharma? Because according to the Center for Public Integrity, and this is a legitimate organization, okay? They won the Pulitzer Prize in 2014 and 2017. That's impressive, right? They wrote an article saying opioid makers paid millions to advocacy groups that promoted their painkillers amid addiction epidemic. Senator's report uh, cites Center for Public Integrity. Uh, AP series on how drug companies relied on allied patient advocacy groups to help fight state opioid limits. Okay. The report from uh, Senator McGaskill, uh, who's the ranking Democrat on the Senate's Homeland Security Committee, examines advocacy funding by the makers of top five of the top five opioid painkillers by worldwide sales in 2015. Financial information the companies provided to Senate staff shows they spent more than $10 million from 2012 to 2017 to support 14 advocacy groups and affiliated doctors. 
The report did not include some of the largest and most politically active manufacturers of the drug. So all we know about are these smaller ones. Some of the largest ones weren't even included. The findings follow a similar investigation launched in 2012 by a bipartisan pair of senators. That effort eventually was shelved and no findings were ever released. It looks pretty damning when these groups were pushing the message about how wonderful opioids are and they were being heavily funded in the millions of dollars by manufacturers of those drugs, said Lewis Nelson, a Rutgers University doctor and opioid expert. The findings could bolster hundreds of lawsuits now that are aimed at holding opioid drugs responsible for helping fuel an epidemic blame for the deaths of more than 340,000 Americans since the year 2000. Now, why is this important? Because we have to look at it, the timing, right? So now all of a sudden we're in 2018. I started talking about the opioid epidemic based on the... um, the mainstream media just in the last couple of years because that's when it really became like this. It became in the public consciousness, right? It was on billboards. It still is. And you were seeing articles in everywhere from Newsweek to Time Magazine to USA Today to NBC News and so on and so forth saying, oh, my gosh, this is an epidemic. Now we're at like 62,000 people a year dying from this stuff, right? Addiction. Four, depending on where you read, four out of five or six out of seven or the two numbers that I've seen of new heroin users start out as um, prescribed opiate users, but heroin's cheaper and easier to get. And so we have a problem, right? We know that there's an epidemic. Well, between 2012 and 2017, over $10 million was funneled from drug companies that make opiates into patient advocacy groups that were doing what with that money? They were fighting 11 states who were trying to pass bills to reduce the use of uh, or not the use, but the, the prescribing limits of opiates. They were lobbying in the Congress of this country to stop the limits on opiate prescriptions. They were fighting to actually... <laughs> Turn the tide of public opinion that maybe opiates were not a good idea for chronic pain and maybe weren't even any more effective than NSAIDs. And now, I mean, I took a uh, sort of a screenshot today and uh, there is article after article after article in all kinds of different uh, publications, including actual mainstream media, actual drug uh, Uh, sorry, uh, pharmaceutical journals, saying that prescription opioids fail rigorous new tests for chronic pain. Finally, proof opioids are no better than other medications for some pain. Opioids not best option for back pain, arthritis study finds. Treating chronic pain with without opioids, uh, a CDC uh, uh, report. Opioids and chronic pain, according to Healthline, and how it is not the best answer, and yet during this time frame when the opioid epidemic was really finally starting to come into public consciousness over the last five, six years, drug makers, the makers of the opiates themselves, were funneling money into nonprofit groups who were fighting against the very thing that they should be fighting for, which is patient safety when it comes to these drugs. Why? Because 20% of the money they get is from the people that make the drugs. It is not just a conflict of interest. It's a glaring problem. It's corruption. 
in the most obvious sense of the word. So before you decide to make a donation to one of these quote unquote nonprofit groups, one of these quote unquote patient advocacy groups, think for a minute. Should we be funneling money into a group like Susan G. Komen where 99% of the money is not used for prevention of breast cancer? Or should we be looking to a new avenue to try and see if we can actually figure out how to stay well and truly advocate for patients in this country? I'm going to cut to a break. When I come back, I'm going to talk more about BPA. I know that's exciting. Bisphenol A. Why is it out of baby bottles, but why is it still ubiquitous in our society? And and why does Earth Day matter? I'm going to take, take it from a very different perspective. Instead of the environment of our world, let's talk about the environment of your body and why Earth Day matters and what you can do specifically. Little things that are pretty easy to change to change your health, your well-being, prevent breast cancer, prevent prostate cancer without having to th- run in a 5K. That's what we'll talk about when we come back. My name is Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. Insurgent Sports Nutrition is a brand new sports supplement company with a unique philosophy, refuse to conform. In the sports nutrition industry, one company starts something and has some success and everyone else tends to follow their lead. What you end up with is a bunch of Me Too products that don't add up to anything special. What you typically see on the market are formulas with all kinds of ingredients that look good on the label, but do very little to advance your training and performance. At Insurgents, our motto is, everything you need, nothing you don't. While many brands put the right ingredients in a product, most don't put the right dose. There are clinical trials for a reason, to prove not only if an ingredient works, but also how much of that ingredient it takes to provide the desired effect. At Insurgents, we won't add an ingredient to a formula unless we can add the clinically effective dose. Our first formula is our Insurgents pre-workout. Pre-workouts nowadays are a dime a dozen. They even sell them at the big box stores. The vast majority of pre-workouts on the market are overdosed on caffeine and other stimulants and underdosed on the stuff that actually increases your performance. Insurgents pre-workout has all of the most critical ingredients to improve endurance, strength, energy, and without the crash that comes with a megadose of stimulants. Insurgents pre-workout comes with or without caffeine and has no additional stimulants. If you want a truly effective, hype-free pre-workout that tastes great, is free of artificial colors, and absolutely does the job, refuse to conform and join the insurgents. For more information about Insurgents Pre-Workout, call Vitality Nutrition, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. All righty, welcome back to Vitality Radio. I just took about three minutes to breathe, relax just a little bit, (sighs) calm my senses. That rant really upset me. Man, I don't like corruption. I really, it really bothers me. And uh, especially when it's, well, it's always disguised, right? It's always disguised. Oh yeah. You know, they put pictures of these cute little sick kids on there and they want you to donate because yeah, it's good, right? It's good. It's going to go directly to those kids. It's going to go to their poor struggling families. Uh, Not so much, right? I'm not saying all those groups are bad. Please don't, uh, 
don't let me uh, paint with that broad of a brush. But my word, is there some a problem out there? And I just believe that the vast majority of those groups are not in it for the patient, but are in it for some other um, hmm, unknown reason. Okay, Earth Day. Earth Day happened like three weeks ago. I was going to do a show, and then I didn't because I was out of town, frankly, enjoying the Earth. I was in, uh, oh my word, I was in a beautiful place. But uh, aside from that... Um, I, I still want to give you the information, and I have about 20 minutes to do it. Vitality Radio is always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful, 107 South, 500 West. You can in I, I think I said Bountiful, didn't I? You can call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Uh, if you want to try a free hydro massage, 10 minutes of awesome then uh, give us a call. We'll set you up for one at the new Vitality Health and Wellness Clinic. Uh, you can call us at 801-292-6662, and uh, we would love to have you give it a shot. If you have any questions about anything you hear on the show, you can certainly call us there as well. You can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash vitalityradio, or on our website, vitalitynutrition.com. So why does Earth Day matter? Is it an environmental issue like the Earth's environment? Like this uh, murky, mucky uh, inversion that we get every year? Uh, is it uh, these, these four, uh, uh, what do you call them? Oil refineries, sorry, I couldn't come up with the word, that are just spewing smoke like crazy uh, into the skies uh, there in uh, the North Salt Lake area, just right around the corner from where I am at right now at the Vivint Arena and uh, right around the other corner from Vitality Nutrition. Is it that? Is that what we're worried about is ruining the earth? Because that's why we have Earth Day, right? But why is that so important? Is it just about the earth? Because, you know, I was having a conversation and uh, one of the things that I am all for is progress. I mean, gal, you know, the, all this stuff that is surrounding me, my, my, uh, my Mac computer, my iPhone, the case that protects my iPhone, uh, my, my bag that I carry my computer in, the casing that keeps this microphone from making uh, bumping sounds while I talk, it's all made out of petrochemicals, plastics, things like that. Um, I, I actually used gasoline and oil to get here today. Isn't that crazy? So like this isn't necessarily all bad, right? The question is for me is not so much about the environment or global warming or any of these other things. I'll let the politicians argue about that because they're all wrong anyway. But what I want to talk about is I want to talk about your environment, your body, and how you can protect that environment and how every year in April on Earth Day, you ought to think about spring cleaning your body, taking care of your body, making new steps to make sure that your physical environment, the environment that you subject yourself to, is clean. Because, listen, there's something called xenoestrogens, right? That's X-E-N-O. Uh, xenoestrogens. They're foreign estrogens. They come from plastics. BPA is one of them. Triclosan is one of them. I'm going to highlight those two today, but there's so many, so many. RBST, that's one. Uh, birth control is full of them. So they're, 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 these are xenoestrogens. Okay, they're, they're fake estrogens and they really muck up the human body in a big way. They, they confuse the endocrine system. They create cancer. They feed cancer. 
prostate cancer in men and specifically breast cancer in women. And yet you never hear Susan G. Komen talking about xenoestrogens. I know that was the rant from before. So let's get into this a little bit. How do we protect our environment and why is it why is it so important? Because the xenoestrogens are so ubiquitous. And what does ubiquitous mean? It means it's present, appearing or found everywhere. And that is true. Because if you live a perfectly clean life, if you always wash with organic body care products, if your makeup is clean and has no chemicals in it, if your perfume or is essential oils instead of chemicals, if you don't ever use a Glade plug-in, if you eat only organic food, did you know that if you do all of that right, every single thing, you can only get rid of about 70% of xenoestrogens? It means 30% are going to be there just because you're breathing, especially when you live underneath these smokestacks that we live underneath here in Salt Lake City. So why is all that important? Well, I always say do what you can with what you have. And one thing you've got control over is what happens in your home, right? Because I was at a wonderful restaurant, one of my favorites about a year ago. I love Thai food, like really, really love Thai food. And there's this beautiful place. I it probably the best Thai food around. Uh, I'll even give them a plug. It's a Thai uh, delight, Thai delight, and it's in Kearns or or West Jordan or one of those places out there. And that's a long ways away from me, I know. And I sort of just found them on Yelp, and I was like, well, I love Thai food. I'll give them a try because they got great reviews. Well, it, their food's amazing. I walk into the bathroom, and I hear this thing, Pff. and about two minutes later, I hear it again. Pff. And I look on the wall, and it's this little device that's spewing some stinky stuff into the air to make whatever stinky stuff I was creating be less stinky, right? So that's what it's doing in the bathroom, and that's fine, except that the stinky stuff they were putting into the air is far more toxic than anything I was creating, I promise. And so, as such, I can't avoid it because, well, I had to go, right? And so I'm breathing in those toxins. And uh, that's what I'm talking about. We are subjected to this stuff like crazy. So let's not subject ourselves to it. And why does it matter? Triclosan. Let's talk about triclosan. What is it? It's basically an antibiotic. It's in uh, antibacterial soap, which, by the way, they also had that um, on the sink at this restaurant. And their food's amazing. Just don't use the restroom. But their food, awesome, right? And uh, they have this triclosan in their soap and um, we have triclosan in so many different places that guess what? If you're a nursing mother right now, you have 93% chance that you have triclosan in your breast milk. You're giving your baby an antibiotic every time you nurse it. Does that a problem? Does that seem like a problem to you? It does to me. Because did you know that kids in this country now? Here's this is the this is the thing, man. Sixty one percent of kids from the age six to eight, girls from the age six to eight, have triclosan in their urine. Sixty one percent of girls six to eight in this country have triclosan in their urine. Seventy five percent of adults, seventy five percent of us, ninety three percent of breast milk. Is that nuts? I mean, these are all different studies of different size groups. One was 2,500 people. One was 90 people. Uh, the breast milk study, as I remember, was I think over 5,000. Why is that a problem? Because 
I've talked a lot on Vitality Radio about the microbiome of our body. The microbiome, that's our body's environment. It's the bacteria that keeps us healthy, that allows us to process nutrition, that pre prevents um, illness, boosts immunity and all these things. Well, a lot of that's on our skin and we're killing it like crazy with this stuff. Uh, we use antibacterial stuff all the time, like bacteria is an enemy. It's not an enemy. It's not. We need to keep our own bodies healthy so that we don't have to worry about the other stuff that we come into contact with. I mean, the truth of the matter is we come into contact with E. coli all the time, all the time. And most of the time it doesn't make us sick because why? Because our body's pretty good at doing that, man. We got this really awesome thing called a stomach. It's the gastric barrier and it prevents that stuff from getting into the gut more often than not. So we don't get sick. So we're coming into contact with all these things all the time. We're trying to kill them all off. And then we make superbugs and we have things like MRSA and C. diff that really are horrible that you don't want. So triclosan, bad. Antibacterial, generally speaking, not so good. I talked about Neosporin. Yeah, a few weeks ago on Vitality Radio. What a joke that stuff is. It's probably created at least one, if not two, superbugs all by itself in this country, Neosporin. Forms of MRSA that are only found in the U.S. In fact, the name of the MRSA is USA 300. It sounds like a race. It's not. It's a superbug. It was probably created by Neosporin based on the research. So we shouldn't probably be using Neosporin, right? Uh, we should be using things like colloidal silver. Uh, we know now, clinically, even the FDA allows it. This to say that MRSA can be wiped out by colloidal silver gel. Isn't that amazing? Colloidal silver. And it doesn't do all that nasty stuff that that stuff does. BPA, I talked about it, started in 1891 in Russia. In the 1930s, we, we discovered it had estrogenic properties. In 1992, we discovered that that estrogenic, uh, those, those properties were easily leached into the, uh, the food or the liquid that was in the container that was made out of BPA or lined with BPA and therefore getting into the human body. And we know that those types of xenoestrogens feed estrogen Cancers, like breast cancer, and now they're saying, oh, maybe it's also cervical cancer and ovarian cancer, and we know it's prostate cancer. So my point is, is this, because I don't have enough time to go into it as much as I'd like to. The government's not going to protect you from these things, okay? It took until 2012, 30 years, 30 years after we knew this was a problem, like we for sure knew it was a problem. Because what happens with a baby bottle? You're given your baby formula or even stored breast milk and you have to warm it up, right? And when we warm up a baby bottle as BPA, the BPA is leached into the liquid and goes directly into a very, very low level of defense infant because their microbiome's not fully formed yet. They're trying to get there at that stage and we're creating real problems inside their bodies. And it only took America, what, four years after the European Union and Turkey banned it, and a year after the baby bottle manufacturers stopped using it anyway because they there was just so much public pressure. Nobody was buying bottles that had BPA in it anymore. So it's up to you because that's why BPA is gone in baby bottles is because you decided you weren't going to buy those bottles anymore. So you were looking for baby bottles that said BPA-free. So what do we do? We have to avoid this stuff as much as we possibly can. So what I did today is I walked around Vitality. 
and I took pictures. And the pictures that I took are of products that I, for the most part, use myself or have used. And uh, if I don't use them, I advocate them because they're just absolutely amazing. But I'll tell you the ones I use. There's a company called ThinkSport that I absolutely love because the guy that owns ThinkSport, who's going to be on the radio soon, actually, with me, he knows his stuff. He knows his xenoestrogens. He knows about these chemicals. He knows what is going on. And he uses plastic. And his products are packaged primarily in plastic. But, man, he has done the research to figure out what kind of plastic to use that will not mess with your body. His deodorant, the ThinkSport deodorant, is the only deodorant I've ever used outside of what they call the crystal. If you're familiar with the crystal, it's like a mineral thing that works really, really great. And doesn't irritate my skin and has no crap in it. Absolutely amazing stuff. I love it. His Think Baby, baby shampoo and baby wash scores about a 0.5 on the EWG's one to t- or 0 to 10 rating of uh, safety, 10 being completely unsafe and dangerous and uh, 0 being completely safe. So it's really, really safe stuff. And Johnson & Johnson's baby shampoo just recently, a few years ago, due to public pressure, removed formaldehyde from theirs. Yeah, formaldehyde. I know. No more tears, right? Yeah, no more tears until your baby has cancer. Then you have lots of tears. So Think Baby is a much, much better option than any of that crap that you'd find over at uh, you know the big box stores that you might be washing your baby with. And it even smells nice. Actually, it's pretty cool stuff. And ThinkSport also makes these amazing double-walled stainless steel bottles so uh, you don't have to worry about your cold or hot liquids leaching stuff into into the liquid. So huge fan of ThinkSport. And their sun care stuff is awesome, too. They have the best sunscreen I've ever used. Absolutely love it. Totally clean. Okay, what about lip balm? So those those are four changes, right? Change your baby shampoo and, and soap. Change your deodorant. Because now we're very concerned that deodorant and the aluminum and deodorant may actually be causing nervous system issues to the point of maybe even uh, being linked to Alzheimer's disease. Okay, so it's not a small thing, right? And I know you don't want to be stinky. I get it. So that's fine. We have alternatives. And change your bottle. Plastic water bottles, eh, probably not so good because even the BPA-free plastic water bottles now have BPS in them, which doesn't leach nearly as much, but it can still leach. But it's so much more toxic. Isn't that awesome? They replace something horrible with something worse. Yeah, so let's try to avoid the plastic, okay? If you are, and if you're not going to avoid the plastic, put a cold liquid in it and keep it cold. Because as soon as it heats up and the temperature changes, fluctuates a lot, it'll start to leach in most cases, okay? Uh, so, and, and your sunscreen, change your sunscreen, please. We just talked about that last week on the show. Uh, lip balm. Lip balm especially the lip balm with sunscreen. If it's got oxybenzone in it, run fast, far away, get away, go. You can get a really great, clean, amazing lip balm for anywhere from two to three bucks at Vitality or pretty much any health food store that's anywhere close by. My favorite, probably the Miracell. Really, really love their lip balm because you know what? Not only is it lip balm, they actually call it lip calm <laughs> because you don't get addicted to it because it doesn't have uh, you know glycerin in it. Glycerin um, actually kind of a problem in lip balm. It kind of makes your lips like moist at first and then dries them out. You think there might be a reason why <laughs> manufacturers put a lot of that in their lip balm? Hmm, interesting. How about bar soap? If you're using bar soap and you have not tried Oregon soap, Oh, my goodness, you're missing out. If you got itchy skin, I don't really care why. 
eczema, psoriasis, whatever. If you got itchy skin, you've got to try the eczema soap from Oregon Soap. We actually cut it fresh for you at Vitality. It is amazing stuff. Really, really great. I personally like the what's called the Soapman Spice just because it smells amazing. I use that in the shower every day. Great stuff. Uh, how about uh, lotions, creams and lotions, the fancy, fancy stuff. Alafia. There is a brand that uh, does real good in this world, real good. Not that kind of fake good that we talked about with these uh, nonprofit organizations. This is a for-profit company that funnels massive amounts of profits to Africa to help underprivileged women in Africa who actually break open and uh, make shea butter for this wonderful company. And their stuff is amazing. Their African black soap is absolutely fabulous stuff. You've got to give that a try. You can use their their lotions are, are fantastic and they're not even expensive. It's like 15 bucks for a quart of really clean, amazing lotion. Okay. Laundry detergent. Try Molly's Suds. It's great stuff. It's all I use. You don't have to make your own. If you want to make your own, fine. You can even do it less expensively. But the Molly Suds isn't expensive. It's like 70 loads. It's like 12 bucks or something. And it works really, really well. They even have like their version of OxyClean. Totally non-toxic. Great stuff. If you're giving your kids a bath, use the Splish Splash Natural Bath. It's a little uh, device you set underneath the tub spout and it cleans the chlorine out of that water and chlorine is bad. You don't want that in your kids. You can get your own self a shower filter. You can get it. There's all these things and I'm running out of time. I'm out of time, but all these things are available to you. And of course we have them all at Vitality. We'd love to help you, but uh, if you live far away, we can ship stuff to you. But if you've got a local store, they have this stuff too. A uh, good little independent health food store. You can support them and they'll take care of you as well. Hey, I'm going to have to run. I've got like 10 seconds left. And I just want to wish every mother out there, every grandmother, a happy, happy Mother's Day. It's it, Without you, there is no us, right? And we really appreciate you and love you very much. Thank you so much. I love all you listeners out there listening to my show. I appreciate it. If you like what you hear, go tell somebody. Spread the word about Vitality Radio. I've got to go. You've been listening to me. Oh, and you can call us at Vitality. People tell me to tell us this at the end, 801-292-6662. My name's Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham, with very limited help from Jared. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional.
Thank you.